I've decided this is the new song for the lead-in for the show. I was going back and forth, but is this song ever bad to hear? It's never, right? You gotta get right on here. No. It's like, it's like, in, no matter where you are during the day, if this song comes on, the head bobs a little, right? This makes you wanna. Uh. Right? It's good. Good. Yeah. I've always said, like, there's a certain amount of songs that make you want to fucking fight at the same time. <laughs> this is one of them. Often so. Yeah. yeah. Well, when you were in college, it was the same thing. Yeah. You know, fucking and fighting was pretty yeah. much the same emotion. Yes. But this is like, Shaka Khan is like, she's so on point with everything. Do you listen to this type of music at all? Every now and then. It's not It's not my go-to. I was listening to a little Parliament, a little Funkadelic. Although I have been listening to the Hamlet uh, cast recording for the last five days nonstop, there's traces in there. Really? Have you not heard it? Everybody, by the way, Tim Amundsen, everybody, my guest today from the television show Gallivant. Hi. Not just Gallivant. I will say Gallivant for But a, like a virtual cornucopia of credits. Stuff. I mean, I, I was I was looking back, and we were talking about this off air. I was looking back, and I've known you. We were in acting class together. I think we've known each other. I was trying to think this 15 years. Yeah. I would say. That, let's go back to 15 years ago. Okay, so 15 years ago, you had still been working pretty steadily, right? But 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 within the last 10 years, it's really picked up? Would you? Is that safe to say? In the scope, in the in, grand scope of things. In, 15 years ago... I was just starting to work steadily. Right. Like I'd worked for probably ten years here and there, you know, one step forward. Four was that steps psych? Back. Was that? Would you say? Oh no. Uh, judging Amy was the beginning of the oh, steady money. Oh, right. that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's so there was sort of f- five seasons of Judging Amy, and then eight of Psych, and now this. So what's pre-judging that Amy. Pre-judging what Amy. What were you doing? Uh, as far as like pre-judging, were no kids at the time. No kids at the time. Uh, the first one was born on that on that show. Um, pre-judging Amy was me working a series of bar jobs. Uh, that was my question. Like, what was your what was your thing? Were you a waiter, a bartender? I worked at Johnny Rockets on Melrose, which I just went there to have a burger the other day and realized it's freaking gone. What do you it's mean? Gone They're, on Melrose? Johnny Rockets the one is on, gone. The original store is gone. It's, I had no idea. Yeah, that other, I don't know. Uh, that's really kind of sad. It was kind of sad. I mean, I worked my way through college there. Um, I wait. You you worked your way through college on a Johnny Rockets salary. Well, with you went to USC. I went to USC. That's I also, not cheap. I also had I had scholarships. I was work study. I did a lot of things. You did full time school and full time job. No, <laughs> I did full time school yeah. and and work study and scholarships, and then would you know summers go back to Seattle and do a roofing job do you think that um that process for you like for me i look back at all that time for me too that was my work ethic that's where i learned all that absolutely do you bring that same thing when you like to i find that the longer like the people toil they they really appreciate where they are what they have all that i lied about my age to get my first job because i i mean I, my parents were depression era so it's work ethic is instilled. I mean, I was 
soon as I could push a lawnmower, I was making money in the neighborhood doing that. Really? Oh, yeah. Shovel? Did you shovel driveways and all that shit, too? I was from Seattle. We never oh, yeah, snow. Yeah, right. Um, but, you know, raking leaves, yeah. everything, all that sort of stuff. Whatever I could do to make money, I would do it. I was the youngest of four kids. and Me, uh, too. You have brothers and sisters? I have two sisters and a brother, and there's seven years between me and my next one. So in many ways, I was an only child. Oh, so did your brothers and sisters raise you? Uh, yeah, certainly. Yeah, they all did. They all had a hand in either raising or torturing me. The torture yeah, is the... That's the question. Who was the main torturer? My brother. We... <laughs> What's yeah. the worst thing he did to you? Give me a... I, I can tell you. I'll lead you off what my brother did to me. My brother, you know those couches that fold out into beds? He would put me in it, it and he would fold it back it up. Just, um, Did you uh, have any good ones? No, nothing. nothing. Was what it mental sh- torture? It's more mental torture. Uh, Did you ever get hit with the adopted thing that you were adopted? Of course. More so, my my sister, who was his little sister, uh-huh. got it worse. Uh, got the got the you know you were born in the suey hole from the boogeyman kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So poor Mariska, she really got the brunt of that. Mariska? Mariska. My sister Mariska. That is it. Slovak. Ah, uh, okay. That's the Slovak version. Um, but you worked, so you worked, and how old are your kids right now? They are 11 and 13 and a half. At 13 and a half, were you working? Yeah, I was, uh, yeah, I think, no. Maybe another year, like fourteen. I think I got a job. I got a job in a joke shop in like a practice. A like joke a, shop. It was like a like a wild. It was called Wild Card Jokes, and it was novelties. It was a novelty store. Now, can you imagine telling your fourteen year old next year, "Hey, time to go rake some leaves and get a job"? Yeah. To I mean, granted. Do you think you will? Yeah, they already do. Like that's awesome. Not in a really organized fashion, but right. they both like money. Um, are you one of those people that that if they walk up and ask for it, you give it to them? I am not. My wife is, so therefore it's a, it's a constant battle. Push me, pull you. Yeah. Uh, but they they both. That's my best move in the bedroom, by the way. I've heard, push me, I've pull you. About, I've heard that about you. <laughs> I was hoping we could talk about that. Yeah, that's my secret move. The push me, pull you. That's not a secret anymore. <laughs> uh, no, the uh, they both have done the, you know, like they both like making money. Yeah. And, and but here's here's the lovely thing. My my youngest especially. She makes money because she wants to donate it. What? I kid you not. To who? Uh, to best. Right now, her thing is best friends animal shelter. I mean, that's so nice. I, she got pissed at me yesterday. I was taking her to her theater class, uh-huh. where, and I forgot to give her five bucks for snacks. And I'm always like, she doesn't need five bucks for a snack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got, I got a bottle <laughs> of water and a, some Tic Tacs when yeah, I was a yeah, kid. Yeah. My mom was like, give her five bucks, and I forgot. And <laughs> she got in the car. She's like, well, you forgot to give me five dollars. But that's okay because I had my own money. But it was money I was going to donate. Ah! Uh, like, well, so Daddy didn't have to donate it to you. Yeah, uh, maybe you should make twice as much so you can. Yeah, donate so work a little harder. What does she do for money? Uh, she rakes leaves. Uh, lots of lemonade stands. Um, can I tell you? You know my son Jacob. Yes, I do. Okay, so he was probably fourteen, and I said to him, "I go, hey man, we're, I think we're going to have you rake the leaves in the lawn." And he turns to me. He goes. Don't we... Um... I know what you're going to say. I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah, and I knew what he was going to say, too. So I was waiting for him. I go, don't we what? He goes, you know, don't we... Uh... I go, what? He goes, you know, have uh, people? And I go, people? He goes, you know, the Mexicans? And I go, hey, Jacob, you're my Mexican, okay? <laughs> you are my personal Mexican. So don't... Because, you know, everybody in this... I think it's, it's very unique to Southern California, 
but there are very few people who mow their own lawn. Yeah, it's wouldn't you say that? Me. I when I first even when we didn't have a lot of money. Oh yeah, people because it's so there's so they do like the 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 group of guys do like what fifty in a day. Yeah. So it costs basically nothing because they're making their money in volume. I don't know anybody whose kids mow their lawn or anything. Do you? The Burks. Oh yeah, the Burks. David still is out there, and I and I admire him so much. When I first bought a house, I bought a lawnmower, I bought all the stuff, and yeah. had a garage full of of gear. And then I just I'd get busy and wouldn't do it. And finally, my wife could, was just hounding me to hire somebody. I'm like, I am not hiring another man to mow my freaking lawn. You should have hired Burke, David Burke. I could have hired David Burke. And then um, one day I come home and there's a uh, Mexican gentleman mowing my yeah. lawn. I'm like, Allison, what the hell? She goes, I finally just went down and got him. He speaks. We've had him for ten years. We've, you know, he's been yeah. doing this. He speaks no English. God, he's not. Isn't he's not great. But he's an older gentleman, and every time, every time, I wanna, I wanna talk to him. I have to call his son, and to translate. And I'm like, Alice, can we find? Just she's like, you are not firing that old man. You know he speaks perfect English. I know. He knows the way he's never getting fired <laughs> is just to pretend like he doesn't speak. Yeah. You know what our guy does at our lawn? So you know, if there's dog shit in the lawn, sure. He puts a little flag in it. <laughs> And he just mows around it. So sometimes I'll come home, and there'll be like four flags in my lawn. I'm like, Cesario, didn't you just want to do the pooper scoopers right there? He goes, not my job. No, which, that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, listen, it is fair. It's fair, but the flag is the best. Like, but you know what's nice? The fact that you could have that conversation with him. Because yeah. I can't. I can't have that conversation. You can. I guarantee you, if you said something really important, like, listen, I need you to, I need you to talk to me, or you're about to get fired. He'd be like, what's going on? <laughs> How are you? What's going on? Yeah, I'm so glad. I'm sorry. I'm, I had my hearing aids in. I got them in today. So. By the way, you lost weight. You look yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> now, let me go back real quick. Something we were talking about. Your resume is mm. six feet long. It is. How many people say things to you like, uh, you came out of nowhere? Doesn't happen as much for you? It doesn't, but it's... Because they just don't either. They have I'm not on their radar at all. Right. Um, I I think I probably only talk to people. No one's coming up to me suddenly newly discovering me. I think so. The people who not are, even with this show. Not that are coming up to me. I mean, every now and then uh, somebody on Twitter will be like, "Hey, I just who yeah, are you?" Yeah, it's yeah. Great. Um, but it seems like the people that are fans of mine are already fans. Of mine. I mean, that's who I'm interacting with. Um, whether it's somebody or they'll know me from another show and then discover me on this show, but it's not like I get a lot of. Oh, I think because I, I it's not like I suddenly you know winning a uh, an Emmy or a Cable Ace Award. Yeah, but your your facial hair differences in the shows are outstanding. Well, that's that is a point of pride. That is basically. I mean, that is a point, and I, maybe that's it because I'm such a chameleon. Maybe that's know, right. Maybe be like when anyway. they shave, like, oh, there's the guy. Is oh, this the a, most fun you've had? This on is, this show? This is the most fun I've ever had in Why? My life. Tell me why. Because it's... it's. Explain to everybody what the show is. Okay, the show is called Gallivant. It is a... If you <coughs> have not seen it, because it's, it's a fairy tale musical comedy for network television. So if, if Monty Python and uh, Mel Brooks had a baby... Yes. And then that bastard child had an affair with Princess Bride... And that demon spawn then 
teamed up with Alan Menken, who is the composer who wrote every Disney song you've ever heard in, this in your life. This family does a lot of. This family does a lot you know of what? fucking. You know just what? so you know, just so you know, you leave this family tree. Is... We are a passionate group. <laughs> passion is passion. Anyway, and and all those that gene pool, yeah. that Galavan is what would come out. The show called Galavan. So it's we're uh, just starting our second season. Maybe a shorter season. We're sort of an event. Event right. programming is what ABC calls us. I don't care what they call us as long as they put us on the air. Yeah, that's the event. That's the event. Yeah. I play Here's why it's 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 the greatest job in the world. A I get to sing. Uh, Which I didn't know you had that in your real house. And neither did I. Okay, perfect. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. Uh, it's this. It's a kind of comedy that I love, that I've never gotten to do before. How come? Because I've always known you to be a funny guy. Like, and you know, my cousin's the same way. My cousin Scott Wolf, yeah, super funny guy. But I'm always like, how come you don't get to do comedies? He's because he said in this town, which is supposedly the most creative town in the world, they know you as one thing. You're not allowed to do something else. But I. I've actually, you, which you have I've avoided that. I've I dodged that bullet, where I went from five years, uh, you know, I went from Xena to five years uh, at, in essentially, a, you know, a, an amazing kitchen sink drama, if you will, on Judging yep. Amy, playing this sort of very sweet social worker, to getting to then playing some crazy guys with guns, to then doing Psych. You did Deadwood. To doing Deadwood. To doing. You big s- fan of Deadwood, Aaron? I got, I've got a, I've got the wax. I got the yeah, mustache for right now. Yeah, you did Deadwood. Um, to Psych, which was incredible to me, incredibly funny. Yeah, I but agree. I, I was more the straight man early on. I was always the straight man. I was never having joke jokes. They were the different kind of. They were the straight man jokes. Right. Um, all his, all his humor came out of anger and frustration. Now, by the grace of God and the universe, I'm getting to do. This stupid, silly, really smart, stupid comedy. What's the key to delivering a smart, stupid line? Does that does that make sense? Because I some people do it well, uh, and some people do it terrible. Leslie Nielsen mm-hmm. was the king. Yep. Okay. Some people do it really well. What do you think the key to de- being able to deliver that line is? Stealing from all my heroes. Is it's it really? Just, it's it's uh, like who? Know, like who? Who would be the hero? Uh, John Cleese. You know, John Cleese was tended to be the the straight man on yep. a lot of that stuff. Um, uh, Gene Wilder. Um, oh yeah. Uh, but so so if you take those two and say you've stolen from them, what is it about their delivery? Because I would tell you this, you know, I I think it's easier for a funny person to get into drama. Than it is for a, a, a true dramatic actor to start doing comedy. Yeah, absolutely. Because, do you agree with that? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because, I mean, I'm sure I'm not the first person to come up with this concept. So much comedy is based in pain. Yes. And yes. yeah, yeah. And it's still it's the f- the realer it is, the the more funny it is, the more based in reality to me. I mean, sure right. you can. There's the pie in the face gag, which that. Doesn't interest me, even though we did a pie in the face cat. Pretty last funny. Year. Pretty funny. Not, not terrible. We did. I put a pie in the face of Vinnie Jones last year. Did you? Year. I did. Because, because my character, my very, very serious evil king, realized his wife was uh was stooping the court jester. Yeah. And he it's because he had an amazing uh banana. Uh-huh. Um Dick. but I thought it'd be yeah, my kids might be watching it. Oh, okay. okay. I'm t- I've made an effort to stop swearing as much oh. in public. Should I do that? No, you can do whatever the fuck okay. you want. <laughs> um, but, uh, but 
I thought I thought she's having sex with him because he's funny. Right. And because the funny guys get laid. You know, come on. I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm to the day I die. Women can say that all they want. All I'm telling you is that Mick Jagger is still fucking 22 year olds. <laughs> not because he's funny. Not because. And he's I don't funny. think Don Rickles is fucking anybody. Well, that so is let's true. not let's okay. not stop. We. But I don't, in, I don't in, think in Mason is banging <laughs> hot coeds. In good old in good old King Richard's mind, she was she was fucking him because he was funny. And okay. so we have an episode called Comedy Gold where I, under threat of death say, give me comedy lessons. And it culminates in me doing a stand-up routine for the peasants that I'm forcing them to be there right. on pain of death. And, uh, of course, I'm dreadful. But we did. <laughs> this is why I love this show. We did the black, we did the brick wall. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, with the improv? The yeah, brick we wall? did, like, but it was a medieval-style brick Hilarious. wall. Um, we, had, we had the stool. Uh, I had uh, my jokes written down on parchment <laughs> paper. I, I basically, who did I steal that from? I think it was Ricky Gervais, I think. <laughs> You know, Hilarious. a lot of a lot of comedians do the do the notepad. Yeah, Richard Lewis did, does it. I had the uh, the uh, I had a, a bottle of grog, uh, um, and and, he, and I was doing uh, you if if you have more children than teeth, you might be a peasant. <laughs> if your if your toilet is the woods, you might be a, you know, and they're just they're not going. And finally. Um, you went Foxworthy on it. I did. Hilarious. And we're dying. And so the jester says to the to the, the chef, who's like, Scottish, he's dying out there. Give him the pie. He's like, already? Oh, he's not quite ready for it. Give him the pie, man. <laughs> so he runs out and hands me a pie, and I just turn around and, and shove it in Finney Jones' face, and it kills. Yeah. Yeah. You know why? Because pies in the face are physical funny. Physical comedy, always funny. So in this one, um, I... Th- I think this particular fun, brand of funny is, it's truly, it's based in the reality of this man's situation. And uh, how do you make, and somebody wanted me to ask you this from Facebook, how do you make somebody who's, like your character it should be inherently unlikable, but you're a likable guy. How do you make an unlikable character likable? Take, take a Tony Soprano, for example. How do you make somebody who's inherently unlikable Sympathetic or likable because you find the human qualities that that everyone possesses that everyone can identify. For example, with. Like in your guy, in in my guy, um, once you get, I always, my gag has always been, when I'm doing a drama, I try and make him funny. When I'm doing a comedy, I try and make him more dramatic, huh. within the parameters of the show. So it's not like I'm suddenly you know telling a knock knock joke right. on Deadwood, but. Just to find those those reports. So in this guy, it's it's Dan Fogelman and and John Hoberg and Kat, Kat Lickle are, are great writers, writers. By the way, they're amazing. They're amazing you know? writers. So they're giving me just genius gold every day. Uh, it's a very free environment. If I have something that I want to throw in, get get one. Really? Get one. Yeah. So you, it, I love people who do that when they say, "Listen, definitely, let's hear my words once." Yeah. And then let's hear yours. It's because they don't have an ego about it. I, th- I think they don't. And because they trust me. Best joke wins. I'm always with that's best it. joke wins. They're best very joke much, wins. That is what they say. Yeah. And so we'll do it that way. And if we have time, which, you know, sometimes we do, sometimes we don't, yep. then, we get to, then we get to play. Yep. And very often, certainly last season, they, because I just come from, there was a day on the pilot that, the day one on the pilot, I'm doing this scene. It's, a, it's, the, it's the turn for the character. The first time we see him truly, we're like, Oh, he's actually an idiot. Yeah. Where he comes into his to his, to his kidnapped 
bride to be's chamber, right. the day of the wedding. Right. Yes, you know. You know, it's, what fuck? What is the line? Um, it's very sort of dramatic, you know. Uh, tonight, you will join me in my bed. We're going to do it. <laughs> and, and, and we're not going to sit there and open gifts and talk about how much fun the wedding was. We are doing it. <laughs> Good night, my darling. Yeah. So it's just that, and um, so it's high, you also get to go a little heightened yeah, reality. Absolutely, and that it's it's very. I mean, it's it's super silly, but then. I was crying in last night's episode. Right. For genuine, real reasons. Because his life's shattered. You know, I always said, you, what was that movie with uh, De Niro and Billy Crystal? Uh, analyze this. Yes. De Niro was funnier than Billy Crystal in that movie because he trusted the words and in and, and acted them. Like was a, yeah. He made it real. Whereas Billy Crystal, I saw him trying to land jokes. And the, ri- the writing was so good that he trusted the words, trusted his character, and De Niro was fucking hilarious. And you realize movie. what's funny about it. It's like De Niro in, in um, the Charles Grodin. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, uh, Midnight Run. Run. Yeah. He's, he's hilarious. Yes. But that, so you're trusting the words. So I'm trusting the words. Um, and then you're knowing your character and you're. But even the day we were trying to, the day one we were trying to figure it out and. Dan Fogelman was on set. Chris Koch was our executive producer director, who's also who's done tons of comedy. They yeah. are of one comedic mind. And Dan was there and he threw me an alt line. He's like, say this. And because I'd been doing psych and we'd been improving. Improv? Psych was a lot of improv? Psych was a lot of off the cuff. Certainly James Roday had free range to just by the towards the end of that series, just do it. I mean, he was a writer, producer, and director. Right, right. He's very funny, man, very sharp. We could sort of yeah, we could be loosey goosey with it. And that was also, we were shot in Canada and it was USA. And after two years, after two years, they forgot about us and the inmates ran the prison um, to some to some degree. Right. No disrespect to the lovely town of people yes, in the USA. Yeah. Um, so I, I sort of, I caught this all and I took it and I threw it back. And then we did a couple more. And there was a shift in the room where we all went, oh shit, we, we can do this. Like, yeah. we can work this. And it was so exciting. And the next morning, the three of us were talking about it. And Chris commented, he goes, what happened yesterday was like season three. Like it was, we just all gelled so much comedically. And it's like, it was like jazz. That to me is the thrill of all thrills. Okay, let me ask you something. Because I know as a comic, it's different for me than it is for actors. When a series ends, right? When Psych ends, is that because I, the comics mindset is, you can never fire me for my job. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing. Is that whatever you can say what you want, I can go out and work on a weekend and work. Yeah. When a series ends for an actor, no matter how much you've worked, and you had worked a ton after Psych ended, you, it does the panic. When does does panic set? I don't in? care who you are. I think you never you never think you're gonna you think you're never gonna work again. It, does that happen even because you look even after Psych. You would work. Absolutely after Psych. Especially after Psych. And here's why. How come? As a comedic <clears throat> actor, and I don't feel I'm a comedic actor. Right. And it's, it's strange the last two series. I'm an actor. I, yes. I'm a funny actor, and I, I, I've I, killed a lot of people in very dark ways, too. You have. Too. You have. Um, What's your favorite way you've killed somebody on screen? <sighs> um, oh, in Supernatural. How did you kill somebody? Um... I think I threw them through a window. I, I can't remember what the hell it was. Is it thrilling? Is it, is it thrilling to kill somebody even when you're just pretending? Oh, yeah. 
That's why. Oh, no, I'll tell you my favorite way of killing somebody. Here's why. Um, there's a film I did, did a little independent this summer called uh, Carter and June, which will hopefully come out soon. Okay. Where I play a character named Spencer Rabbit, who is a gay, southern, strip club owning, criminal psychopath. And it was just delicious. I had literally, I. How I'm, many people did you get to kill? I killed a lot of people. My favorite one was uh, the the Scarface, um, I'm sorry, the Untouchables baseball bat to the back of the head. Oh, team. And, but the scene, pro- the lead up to it was deliciously funny. How do you discover those voices? Do you try a couple at your I'll house? I'll tell you exactly how to do it. This movie, I had a day to prepare because I, re- I replaced an actor. An actor I respect very, very much fell you out. You killed him? When no. you say fell out, he got sick. I'm not kidding. In quotes, he there, got there sick. were uh, there were creative differences, mm-hmm. and I got a call and said, "Can you be on a plane to New Orleans tomorrow?" And you know, it was a small budget movie. And they said, "We're well, gonna you're you're filling the shoes of this gentleman, right?" And that, and I love his work. And I went, "Absolutely!" And I I said, "Let me look at the script." And his based on his opening monologue alone, which he is. He's sitting in his strip club on his desk, smoking, you know, sitting on his desk, smoking a cigarette, talking to this girl about the strip club game mm-hmm. and how how to make money in the, in the game and how it's all a con and and pull back to realize he's speaking to a five year old girl. Hilarious. And the, and the stripper comes in. She's like, "Rabbit, what the hell are you doing to my baby?" I'm like, "Well, she walked in here. She's like, I'm just trying to give the girl some advice. Goodness, her daddy's gonna do from prison." So, it, but it was such a delicious monologue. I called and said I'm in. I did not read the rest of the script. How do you decide on those voices? Because I heard the voice you're doing for Gallivant and this one. Okay, did you this one, fuck around with I it? I literally, it just, it sort of spoke to me to a way and I had no time to prepare it. So I went, I'm going to do, I'm going to do a super gay version of Kevin Spacey from House of Cards. And so there is that Georgia way he speaks. There yeah. is that thing. That he does. And that cadence. It's it's mainly, it is about the cadence. Good God, man. Please tell me you have my motherfucking money. Or I'm going to have to come over there and kick the living shit out of you. So that's that's how you decided. And on the plane ride down, you practice it over and over? I just, I, I, that one's in me. Like, I just, that one is somewhere in the back of my head. And I swear to God, it's not like I'm I'm doing a, an authentic right. New Orleans accent. We sort of think, where's this guy from? Is he New Orleans? And I'm like, fuck it, he's Southern. And... I don't have time. This one's fast and loose. I don't have time to prepare that one. Do you? Okay. As Gallivant goes on and your accent, right? Mm-hmm. Because I, I notice if you listen to cartoons and the voices, there's subtle changes every year because you're the same person, right? Do, do your, does your voice, can you he, notice that it changes a little in the accent? There's very specific changes, in fact. With this one, with King Richard, I went in and the character is so broad. And like within, again, three pages, I knew I wanted to do it. And there was, it took me five months to get the job because it's sort of the anchor role. I'm the mm-hmm. only American in it. And ABC wanted a superstar British person. And so there was an offer out to a big movie star. And I was one of the backup guys they saw in the States. And uh, so I go in and it was, it was one of the top three auditions of my life. Between Deadwood, Psych, and this, it was it's one of those jobs where you're like... Explain that. Explain how you can tell going... Because I've had auditions where I'm like, I fucking nailed that. And then you're like, no, they didn't think you're right. It, I just knew for me, I, it was the response in the room. I could tell in the room. It, was, it wasn't just that 
I was happy with what I did. I knew they were buying what I was doing. At, tell me the difference between walking into a room, because the audition process, for people who don't know, is a motherfucker. It's horrific. It's a horrific experience, and I would say that most of the people in charge of them, as in casting directors, aren't great at their jobs, because they their job should be to make you feel as comfortable as they can. They need you to do well. Yeah, and so do those producers and yes. writers sitting on the couch. Yes, so a lot of rooms you go into just aren't warm. How do you, like... What's the difference between you walking into a room now and you walking in 15 years ago? I learned, I, or I sort of discovered, probably about 40, I'm 46 now, that they're either buying what I'm selling or, or they're not. And it really has nothing to do with me. Because you go into a room, like I would sort of go in to auditions uh, in, on hiatus from Psych, and I'd see guys I'd known for 15 years. Yeah. I'd be like, well, fuck, I'd hire him. Like, I'd hire Billy. Yeah. Billy's better at this than me. I know he's... So, but it's not about Billy or me. It's I am coming in and presenting something naturally with my essence, if you will. Right. We're all reading the same lines, but it's however he does it versus me. It be it became it. It took the competition element out of it. And for it became, you, for me, it became very freeing in a way. Now that's not always the case. I still get nervous, obviously, and I still, I still, just sometimes I'm a fucking wreck going yeah. in. I think the reason actors want to become stars is just so they don't have to audition anymore i have to tell you it's for me and look i stand in front of strangers right like so i stand in front of a room full of 400 strangers and try to make them all laugh at the same thing with you with you with, with your me. personal from stuff that is just you. me to me that is way less nerve-wracking than that audition room i feel so judged walking out of those rooms and i would like them more if they told you right away. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because I'm a grown-up. I'm a grown-up. I actually would walk in with more confidence if I knew, oh, I'm getting an answer today, so I'm just going to do what I do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And they were able to say, oh, that was great. You're not what I'm looking for. Yes. Or, not even, great. even that wasn't great. Yeah. Or just you're not with me. See, but the reverse, looking at you and what you do, because I have... I have such tremendous respect for what you do. And I, what do you call yourself a stand-up? You're a stand-up, right? Yeah, stand-up. Okay. Yeah. And I've always thought, what's the difference between a comedian, like, am I a comedian? I'm not a comedian. I'm a comedic actor If for, in terms. Okay. Like, I think there's a very specific difference. Um, 100%. So I could never do what you do. I couldn't. And, and I know people are like, you're so funny. You should do it. I'm like, never in a million fucking years. It's a skill. No, it's, it's a skill set. It's two different things, yeah. Absolutely. It is a skill set that I have such respect, let alone the lifestyle on the road and all that. Like, just the your life. And I have I was, for a long time, fascinated by the Mark Maron podcast. Yes. And this was, that was sort of a, my schooling, in a way, where I was fascinated by that. I've always been fascinated by the sketch world, by the UBC guys and the Groundling guys. Yep. I never did any of that. That's something I feel like... Groundlings, I wish I, you, I, you I, wish I had done that. I you wish I had done that. Because um, you know what you're really good at? You know, we, and like I said, we were in acting class together, but you're, you're really good in the moment, you're really good off the cuff, and you're really good at listening, and you're a funny guy. All those things lead to being good with improv. And, you know, it, and, absolutely. and your ability to play is... And I wish I... I've, I've had opportunities to... I've... I've been on an improv stage with Janet Varney and and John Ross Bowie and Greg Atzid on the same days in yeah. Chicago, and me going to them and and uh, Craig Krakowski like some of the best. Yeah, and me saying, "Guys, take care of me. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like I'm I'm funny, I'm witty, 
I don't know the rules of the games you play by. And being out there and just being astounded by their talent. Dude, and, it, and just wishing that I had, you know, you always, like I said, a middle, middle-aged now, you wish you had done things yeah. differently, but it's worked out. Yeah, you, it's just things it's are over. Out. You can't do, and also, you can't, you can't do, do everything. everything. That was it. You, you can't, can't, and I will tell you something, like, when I look back, if I would say, and I, and I, regret isn't the right word, because we are where we are, and I'm happy with where I am. I bailed out of acting class early to concentrate on stand-up and being less of an actor and more of a personality. Does that make sense? Sure. <clears throat> and I wish I had stayed the course a little more um, because I've had, as I've gotten older, I've had more opportunities. It's a different muscle, though. It's a completely different muscle. Yeah. And I trust my words. I have never learned to trust other people's Well, you've words. got to say other people's words as if they're yours. That's that's the key. That's the key. Right? So I tr- And I trust my words. And sometimes I'll read words, like script them. Like, I, can I? And I'll ask a pun- casting director, I punched it up, and they're like, "Don't, don't, don't punch yeah. it, don't." Like, but, but it's not funny. <laughs> but say, this is shit. Did you say punch it up? Yeah, I punch it up. No, no, don't, 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 don't punch it. Yeah, up. just stick with what's on the page. They don't, right. they don't appreciate. They don't like that shit no. at all. No, they fucking hate that. You're walking, you go, Hey guys, I got a couple notes on the script. Yeah, they don't like that at all. How's about go with me here? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I said that to Garcia one. Greg Garcia was the first guest on this podcast, but and you know, Greg's done. My name is Earl, and Raising Hope, and Millers, and Yes, dear. I remember I, I, he had me on, um, my name is Earl, maybe the second episode I was on there. And I go, hey, I, I kind of got an alt to this line. And he looked at me, he goes, why don't you go ahead and trust what I wrote is funny. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do that. Your track record is pretty, pretty decent. Pretty good. Pretty decent. <laughs> That's, and what a, what a lovely way for him to oh, say it, too. His, a lovely way for him to say, no fucking way. How about you, young, like, oh, you're adorable. <laughs> yeah. How about you go fuck yourself? That was such a nice with way. your little alt. And I was like, oh, and and also it, it it taught me like, well, he's had to deal with people who who have, you know, their egos are fragile. So that's a nice way of yeah. him dealing. Where he could have just told me, or he just, but not that he has to give a shit about that. He just maybe is a nice human being. He is a super nice human being. Now, okay, you go back all the all the things you did. This is the most fun you've had. This is the most fun I've had. The set is fun to be on. It's it's what makes a good set. Because I've been on some bad sets, and I would tell you, if I go back to Garcia, to me it's all yeah. trickle-down. His sets are great because he's great, and yeah. he won't, if you ask Cat and John, I'm sure they would tell you, he won't yes. allow that shit, any kind of uh, uh, backstabbing, whispering in offices, yeah. he doesn't allow it. It's, it's that. It's exactly that. It comes from, I hate the phrase, it comes from the top of the call sheet, it comes from the names, you know, above the line, it comes from the creators. How much does it come from, how much does it have to come from you and the other top people on the cast? Tremendous amount. It does, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, And I'm sort of, other than Vinnie Jones, I'm the old guy on set. Yeah. And, and I feel a great responsibility to, well, first of all, if I do say say so myself, I'm not an asshole. No, you're not an asshole. And and I really, I always credit, uh, I credit James Roday on Psych, because he was number one on the call sheet, and he very quickly became a writer on the show, eventually became a director and producer on the show. Right. And, I, and he was given a lot of power, young and early, and he handled it beautifully. Did you learn from him? I did. I just, I learned just overall, like, tr- just, it's, Oh, just it's always there's no need to not be respectful to anyone. Right. And 
but that's that's also who I am. And I've, from the just the realities of, of my careers, I've made a living by being a nice guy yes. and by people being easy to work with. Work begets work, and bad work, and being an asshole, not always, but very often. Oh, it eventually sp- runs out. It, it runs eventually out of runs yeah. out of course. So, I so mean, look, it, it's, Val Kilmer was pretty big at one point in time. There's a lot of people. Yeah. Who, uh, John John Hoberg, our our great uh, Coey. Well, no, he's not Coey. Our great executive producer, along with with Kat and and John and Critch. Uh, sorry, Dan and 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 uh, Chris. We were talking a lot about about the like because we had these conversations about being producers, and I'm not a producer on the show, but they they allow me into a lot of conversations, which yeah. is nice. As, as sort of one of the older guys on the set, and we were, and he and he and I, Kat, were of a similar age, and we would we lived right near to each other, and you're in Bristol, England, so you get off work, you go to the pub, yeah. And we had a lot of conversations about the environment and the work environment, and we're working tremendously. You shoot in England? Yeah, we shoot in England. We shoot in Bristol, England. Wait, how many Wales. weeks are you gone? Uh, four and a half to five months. And how often are you gone for four and a half months in a row? No, I went back a couple of times. It's that's the that's the only part of the, the job. That and do the kids come over? Or they stay in school. They have well, to stay we, in school. No, they stay in school. Originally, there was talk. A, we thought it was going to be in London. Right. And network half hour, we're like, this could be twenty two. This could be nine months. Yeah. We. When it came down that it was going to be a, a limited engagement, if you will, of eight episodes the first season, ten episodes this season, and then we learned uh, after I got the job, after five months, London, 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 see you in Bristol. I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm sorry. Hey, where, what's, what's the difference between Bristol and London? About two hours. Really? You got you go two two hours outside of any big city. Yeah. You're two hours You're outside two of the city. Outside of, yeah. Bristol's a great town, but it it ain't no London. Yeah. <laughs> London's one of the greatest cities in the world. And I, I love it. So, so I'm. What we did uh, again? My kids are school age, and uh, they would come out. My wife and my kids would come out with me three weeks before I started working. And we have great friends in London. My daughter's best friend lives there. We would stay with them, have a week in London, and then we would take them somewhere. Uh, last year, we went to Paris for a week. These spoiled brats. How do you feel that going overseas? helps kids that young it's i think it's a great thing because they see the world yeah what what is it about I, that what i is went it about to germany that? for a week when i was for sorry for a month when i was 13 uh-huh. my parents i don't i don't even know understand how it happened but it was it was really formulated. what is it about that like so you is it because you're you think the kids get a grander scope of not being the only people in the world it, it takes that it takes a bit of the narcissism out of you know because all children are narcissists, up to yep. some, and many adults. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and being in a difficult spot of like, people don't understand what you're what you're saying. Yeah, they don't give a shit that you want French fries. You got to figure out how to communicate those words in a way they want it. So really important, right? Yeah, like like these are you need to learn some life skills. Um, just the fact is, people do things differently in other places. You got to learn some customs. You got to learn to roll with the punches. You've got to learn to be a little. You cannot be too set in your ways. And yes, is the worldview. They're not understanding worldview. <clears throat> Are your kids good at that? Yeah, they're great. They're great at it. Like, even we went to Paris and yeah. my daughter, my, my youngest, we, uh, 
she, uh, maybe she's a little obsessed with money. She <laughs> she learned all the money. She learned all the coins. She learned how much they were. I mean, so I, she could go buy something in her own store. I, she may need to take a look at my portfolio. Okay, she might. <laughs> uh, same with when we lived in London. She knew I would I would hand her. Why did you live in London? I would not live in London when we would oh, visit yeah, yeah, London. Yeah, yeah. Um, I would hand her a handful of coins and just go, "What, what are these?" Because I, yeah, I'm, I'm with t- you. You know, like is this is this two pence? I mean, I know two pence, but like because they don't. British coins don't make sense. They're they're oddly shaped for the denomination. It, it should it's not sequential. Right, so, right, 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 right. Yeah, two pence, which is the size of almost a half dollar, and then you've got twenty five pence, which is the size of a dime, but ten pence is the size of a quarter. It makes no sense. Da da da. Hey, who says I'm not funny? Um, so that was. Uh, or it makes no pence. Oh, thank you, everybody. That's good. Thank you for taking that, my some, first and only pun. That's a nice one. Um, so okay, so we, we yeah we went to London. Yeah, uh, we'd go to Ireland and then they'd leave, and I'd go to work because I work. And we talked many times, like even even on Psych, we shot Psych in Vancouver. I was going I remember for, that. I was yeah. going for eight years, six months out of the year. Easier, easier to sh- okay. I know it's not easier emotionally. Easier professionally. Oh, yeah. To shoot when the family's not there? Oh, God, yeah. It is, right? Absolutely. And and sh- my wife knows this. We had these conversations where they would come up for the summers to be with me in Vancouver. And not just easier for me. Not, not, it's not easier. But I'm still at work 14 hours a day. Yeah. My wife is still stuck with two kids and without a support group and without a, you know, a network of friends and easy accessibility to driving. So we talked about... If she had, when we learned it was going to be Bristol, I right. sort of scoped it out. Went, There's no way you're moving here. God bless her. She can't drive in LA, let alone. Right. <laughs> I mean, and that's just, these are logistics. There's London, there's public transportation. They, yeah. We could do that. This, like, it's not going to work. And I've never worked harder in my life. I've, I, it was easy. Many nights were four or five hours of sleep and then back to work. Do you feel like, and, and, and this is something that I tell Beth all the time. I'm like, you know, I don't know that, and Beth also works, but I don't know that they get enough credit, like, for putting up with us. Oh, no. It's no, not no, an easy don't. lifestyle to be married to. No. It, I, and I, I said, by the way, I asked somebody this before. I wonder if it happened to you, too. When you come home after four months. Reentry's a bitch. Yeah. Do you ever feel like you fuck up their, their mojo? Oh, I don't feel. I've been told. Oh, I, we. My wife's very frank, and we've we've it's crazy, she, right? Many we've had many conversations. But do not come in this house and fuck up my shit, because we've been dealing without you, and it's fair. It's an absolutely first day, and I. It took me years to learn it, but I think I finally got it down. Why? What was the big? Like, tell me the big mistake you used to make on re- reentry is a great. We're putting it because every I have to do it every Monday. Yeah. Um. I. I would just, first of all, I have no control in my house anyway. And I still have this. I was raised by an Eisenhower father, you know, of yeah. that generation. Strict? Your dad strict? By the time I came around, no. Yes, my my siblings, yeah. Strict? Why? Was he strict? Discipline strict or di- discipline strict? And uh, I think moral, morally strict. And you know, he was a he was a Midwestern Catholic. Granted. Did you ever get a wooden spoon? Anybody in the house get a wooden spoon? Oh, we got thrown with a wooden spoon all the goddamn time. My the siblings got the belt. Like they they were forty when they had me. So oh, so the, they've mellowed they out a little tired. bit. They mellowed. <laughs> and I learned really early. I looked at my less than savvy, politically correct 
politically savvy brother. Right. Especially, I watched him just shitting the bed everywhere and just constantly getting in trouble. And I went, well, if you just fly under the radar, you can yeah. pretty much get away with anything. Yeah, who wants to So that was belt? me. I mean, I just, I was a great kid and then did what I wanted. Um, wait, and, 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 so you didn't have a lot of discipline problems when you were growing up? No, I had, I had none. And, 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 and this <laughs> happened to me, too. I didn't either. And then the rules got less and less for me. I ended up not even having a curfew. Yeah. Same for you? Yep. I yep. think my parents were tired, too, by the time it's I tired, but also you sort of prove yourself. And I remember my dad just going, you've always made us proud. You've never given us a reason to worry. Do what you want. I mean, until you give us reason to worry. What What is the one thing you feel like you took from your dad into your parenting skills? Do you Do you ever catch um, yourself and be like, oh, that's my fucking dad right there? Oh. Negatively, yes. Yes, me too. Oh, I don't, temper. Uh, uh, I'm the no dad. That's That's what my wife... I say no immediately, and it pisses everybody in my house off, and rightfully so, because very often there's no reason to say no. Right. It's just, you, you're bugging me, you're, you're the kids, well, it's, it's either revolving money or yeah. something that I feel like I never had that when I was a kid, and or they don't need that, and I'm immediately like, no. And my wife would be like, do you ever listen to yourself and ask, why am I saying no? Interesting. And I go, no, I don't. And But she's right, so it's, an, it's a knee-jerk reflex of... No, you can't do that. Or, and he used to piss me off when my dad would do it. Me too. He's my dad's. My, I would tell you this: my dad's first reaction when I was growing up always seemed to be to be no. And that was one thing when I was growing up. I was like, when I have kids, mm. that's not what I'm gonna do. My first reaction can't because I remember, you know what it did? Two things, twofold to me. One, it made me go behind his back. Yep. Right? Because I was like, he's gonna fucking say no. What am yeah. I doing? I'm just going to figure out a way to do this. And luckily, they're they're young, so it's not yes. big stuff yet. But that's what, for me, and I remember that, and I that was it stuck with me. That thing stuck with me because I was like, it, it permeated, not just when I was asking him for things, but if I, if I felt like I needed to talk about something, I never went to him because the idea of the closed door was just constantly there. That was a huge thing for me. I didn't have that part. See, the flip side of no... Uh, is, and I have brought this into it, one of the positive things my both my parents did, is I always knew I was loved. I was always supportive. They always said I made them proud. They always supported me in whether it was a play or whatever I wanted to do. They, That's awesome. And so I've we've been very much about that with our kids. And we have a really, I think we have a really open open house relationship. Like in our, in our there's no topic that's off subject in our and even with little kids like they learned about sex you know it's like you want to hear it from me you want to hear it from school and we talk about boys we've talked about all we talked about everything right and there was an we had an experience i i got a call my, my wife facetimed me at three o'clock in the morning in britain a few like a month ago and i'm like why the fuck are you calling you know i'm up getting up in three hours but i was like and she facetime was the only way we could talk i didn't have a phone signal in this in this apartment and i see her face i'm like what Oh my God! What? She goes. I just got home. Uh, my daughter, you know, the oldest daughter, just came to me, and a boy uh, that she had been texting with, that she was friends with from camp, said, uh, "Send me some nudes." Uh, my thirteen-year-old daughter, and I wanted to vomit. And uh, the great news is, she came to Allison, and she and said, was "Which so one should I send?" Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to hell for that. <laughs> um, she said, uh, and she was, you know, so like heartbroken. First, she, 
God bless her, she didn't resist. even Sorry. know about it. Like mm. she didn't even know what that there was a thing. She's like, yay for us. But the fact that she was, and then it was, then it was like, okay, I want to vomit, but I'm gonna, and it was, it was talking about it and talking about a the subject, but also the fact that she came to us and that was the right yeah. thing to do. And then for my wife, God bless her, who had been taking care of kids for three months on her own, for her to not, and she, Allison, her first mode is panic. For her to not panic and freak out, and then I got a text for uh, about an hour later. My daughter sent me a screen cap of her series of texts back to the guy, which we, well, first of all, my wife like got his number. My right. Wife, my wife texted the boy said, "Have your parent call me." Uh, by the way, that's the way to go. Yeah. The, the the kids' parents have to know. Yeah. So and the parent they actually called and they had a conversation like this was happening. So he's never done this before. And she's like, "How the fuck do you know he's never done this?" And it turns out he had done it yeah. to other friends of theirs. So Let me ask like, you a question. When if, if we had phones when you were 14, you wouldn't have asked a girl to see some titties? I wouldn't have because I'm still such a dork, embarrassed by I would have. I would have. Ne- I've sent one dick pic in my life, and it was to my wife, and it was funny, and I put a cigarette in between my nuts and my legs. And I put Wait, you sent that the- to me too. Yeah, it was well, your Christmas yeah, card. Yeah. <laughs> and I lit it. You know, it's for fun. But you know, I told you I found one. Of, I had to tell you this. I found one of yeah. Jacob's dick pics on my iPad oh, God, because no. the cloud, and it went no, to my. No. Oh, dude, it was like. Fuck. Yeah, and look, you know, we. You know, what my dad said is the biggest difference between raising us and me raising my kids. He said, you know, when you came home, the the influence of your friends was gone. Right. The influence of of your peer group. Was gone when you walk in the you door. You walk in the door. I had con- he had control over what if when I was having the phone. You know we had we couldn't talk on the phone for more than ten minutes at a time. Right, right. I had control. I was your parent. I controlled what you heard, what you saw, what you thought. Now your kids' friends are in their pocket all the time. Not only are they in the pocket, but that whole peer group on Twitter, on Snapchat, yeah. they're being influenced nonstop. Whereas yes. your influence started from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. period yep. in school, and it was still kind of a controlled environment. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? I mean and we ch- I have to trust them, too. You although do. Although I don't trust. I mean, I trust, but I'm also on Instagram because I follow my daughter. Well, let me ask you a question. Okay. There's trust, and then there's reality, right? So, you know, with my daughter, too, you know, we caught her taking some pictures. Oh. And... It was one of those things, and we talked to her, and the same thing I talked to my, I talked to Jakey, but I was also like, listen, at the end of the day, you're going to make your own decisions, mm-hmm. but I want to show you something, and I told them both. I pulled up a bunch of websites. I go, see all these pictures of people who thought they were sending pictures yeah. in private? Look where they are. Do you know once it hits the web, the web it's there forever? Once you hit send, it's, it never comes back. Your dick is out there forever. And that's... So just cover your face. Yes, that's the whole thing. Just cover your face. Cover, just go from the, the yeah, waist, belly button up. That was what I was trying to tell him. I said, so just dick pics. I told him the big problem with your dick pic is that I could see your desk in the background. <laughs> and that's why I knew whose dick it was. I was like, I know that desk. That fucking dick is it down the hallway right that's now. That's Jake's dick. God yeah, damn it. It was not great. Uh, but, you know, listen, for me, the biggest thing, I have so much raising sons, so much easier. Raising a daughter because, Two. yes, because the la- what I want is them to never be around people like me. Of course. Of course. That's Absolutely. right. That's it. And I, I, I tell them, I'm like, guys are awful. Just so you know. Under without, a certain age. Without, yeah. you know, destroying it. 
Let's be honest, though. Under a certain age, and this is not a man's fault, the testosterone is level is so high. Yes. All you're thinking about is, I wonder how I'm going to touch that titty. How, how do I touch that boob? Yeah. How do I? Now, listen, that's what we thought about. Times have changed now. Now he's like, how can I get anal? Do you, that, you know that's true, right? Do you, I don't can I really tell you what think. Jacob told me? He was like, yeah, there are a lot of girls when he was in high school. There are a lot of girls in my high school who aren't having sex. I'm like, that's good. He goes, no, just blowjobs and anal. I go, why? Because they're still virgins. They're saving themselves for marriage. Yeah. When, when you were in high school, sex came first. Blowjob came after sex. In every relationship I ever had. I didn't get anything in high school, so I don't know. Nothing? No. no. I mean. Not, you didn't have sex. When, when did you lose your virginity? Uh, I think I was summer after I was eight. Summer I turned 18. Like was, yeah. After your senior year? Uh, I think I, I think I went through my freshman year at, in college. Uh, yeah, at USC. Yeah, you spent a year at USC without seeing a vagina. I didn't know that was I physically that. possible. I wouldn't say that. No, but you danced around. A I, we danced around. No, I did not have uh, sex intercourse. Yeah, intercourse. Um, That's interesting. What age do you think is? Do you think it depends on the person? Um, that's not an answer like, that just in case your daughter's yeah. listening. I, uh, honestly, I to I still there's something old fashioned. I mean, it's like, yeah, do that thing in college. Like once you're like, after your high school, I just think it's it's so, it's so. Oh, God, I have a line coming up about this in a couple episodes because my character, oh my God, life is strange. My character's a virgin. So your character has so never King had Richard yes. has never had sex. And that's why he was so. That was the impetus for the sh- for the season one. Is I needed to kill Galavan, her ex boy, my wife's ex boyfriend, because she won't fuck me. Because all I hear is, "Well, Galavan wouldn't do it like that." And Gal- I was like, "If I can get this guy, and I can kill him right in front of her. She'll realize I'm a man, and she'll have sex with me." That was pretty basic. So, by the way, what great motivation! Great motivation. Yeah, and again, grounded in reality. Like it's all about his ego, and and it came to a point where. Eventually, it's he ad, he admits to to Gallivan because they have this now weird bond. If you've yeah. seen the show, you know where he goes. You know, I've I've never walked in her garden. And just like truth be told, I've never walked in anyone's garden. He spits out. He's like, "You're the king," and I'm like, "I'm not an animal." Yeah, I may kidnap a woman, force her to <laughs> yeah. marry me, but I'm not an animal. I'm a modern 13th century man. No means no, man. And I say, I, he goes, "I just always felt you should be in love," and I was never in love, and I. I get um I get a girlfriend this year. Like we just met her uh, in this last episode. So you are a little in in life also a little old fashioned about it. In that regards, I am only because maybe part of it is I wasn't getting any, so nobody else should. <laughs> Same with the cell phone. But Listen, you, you don't get a cell phone. Yeah. You also don't get to have sex. You don't have sex until you're eighteen. Yeah. I just I it's it's such a. What's the age you would let your daughter date? Is that um. I would say eighth grade. I think it's appropriate. Is that ninth, 14, 15? Yeah, depending. Like, yeah. Like, she's. I think that's about right. That, that's what we yeah, did, Yeah, she's too. in eighth grade right now. And, you know, there were some kids in her school, like, even last year, like, oh, they're dating. I'm like, fuck them. Even when I was that age. Right. I would hear people dating. I'm like, you're fucking idiots. Yeah, you're not you're dating. dating. You're not dating. Um, uh, but I don't know. I, I. Talk, talk to me when she's you know dating a sixteen year old who's picking her up. Like that shit's not gonna happen. Now, listen, That's gonna be difficult. You know, when my daughter was in high school, there was this dude who wanted to go out with her, and he was twenty one. And I basically said to her, "Let me just say," she goes, "I'm eighteen because she was eighteen. I'm eighteen. I go, you're in high school. Yeah. She goes, I'm eighteen. I go, not stop, stop. 
If I'm a 20-year-old man, there's something wrong with me. If, if you I want to be dating, if I want to be dating somebody in high school, I agree. Don't you think? I I totally agree. Now listen, if you're 18 and out of high school and in the work world, and I meet you, and I'm 21, you're 18, that doesn't bother me. If you're in high school, if I'm coming to pick you up in fucking high school, I told her I was like, hey, listen, don't let me run into this dude. Yeah, I don't even like the whole thing of college boys. And like Allison, my wife took took a college guy to prom, and I'm like, no, I don't. No. That's not, Fuck that! That's not cool. No! Wait, and and what a fucking loser is dating a girl that's and going to her I'm high school saying. prom. That, yeah. that, let's just start with that. The fact that, look, that whoever that dude is isn't good enough for my daughter anyways. Whoever that motherfucker is no. isn't good enough Go for my daughter. Go get a girl in college. Yeah! There's plenty of them there. And a lot of them will have sex with you. Yes! And I've had it already. Don't yes. fuck with my daughter. I don't know. It's, um... Where, These, no, we'll like, see. When you, say, when you say well, you feel like you got your dad's temper, I feel like I got my dad's too. What um, what does that look like? I don't I don't have my dad's temper. I have my own temper, which is much worse than my dad's. In what is it? How is it different? Um, I get. Are you a it, yeller? I'm a yeller. It comes. See, the way we were raised, there was because it, everything was so oppressed. All emotions, so many yeah. emotions. It's weird. So many emotions were pressed, but yet I saw my dad cry at like my first play. So I saw my dad cry quite a few times. It's, it's a strange dichotomy. My he dad was, was not an emotional guy. My dad didn't really start saying I love you until his dad died. Yeah, see, I, I got it really early on. And it, it, it was, he, I think my brother did not hear it a lot. And I, I remember my mom saying to a conversation she had with her dad, like, you got another chance with this. And so my dad really, really made it clear that, like, yeah, I was... Weird. Isn't it interesting how... Because my older brother, same thing. I got it way better. Isn't it interesting how you can grow up in the same house, same parents, and have two completely Entirely different, different. Yeah. experiences growing up? Yeah. You know, my, my oldest brother held on to some shit with my dad for a long time. Right. Not only did it happen to him, but then he gets to watch a more evolved father parent other kids. Yeah, yeah. And the mistakes that my dad made with my oldest brother, he learned from. Well, it's classic. You know, guys who have the midlife crisis and then they leave the family and then get to start a new family. And they do it totally differently. Yeah. That's got to be so... Difficult. Fucking hard for those older siblings to go, oh, this little fucker. Yeah. You know? I well, don't know. Do, do, now, how do you feel like yours, the yours is different than your dad's? My dad didn't really have, my dad didn't necessarily have a temper. It exploded a few times. Um, with with me, it's, I think it all just, it all just comes out of ego. I mean, I really. Do you feel like you need an ego to be a good actor? You need a sense of self. I mean, I e think you ego's, need a ego's a loaded word. Uh, well, I don't. You see, need, ego you need to me isn't a bad word. No, yeah, you do. You need you need ambition and you need pride and you need yeah you need a sense of self and you need yes you do need. Don't you? Feel I, like I always joke that I'm I'm an intensely arrogant, uh, narcissistic, thin-skinned person. But but to be in this business, dude, like yeah. to be great at your art, no matter what that art is, even if it's painting and yeah, I yeah, you say, actually you have to have an absolute ego. Don't you? I, I find that like because. You, because so much of this business this, is you concentrating on you. The the fact that I said, having not done a musical since high school, had the fucking balls to walk in a room 
and sing an Alan Menken original song, knowing Alan Menken was going to sing, going to hear it. And yeah. go, I have every fucking right to be like, this is my character. This and it's that's that's just ego. But that's also balls, dude. It's that's how ball- you're attacking something. Where did you learn to attack something? And do you attack everything like that? No, I certainly, I certainly didn't. Early in my career, I was I was Johnny Subservant in my career. I was just happy to fucking be here. I'm happy to work. Right. So don't we'll rock vote. This and when Psych ended, you know, and, and circling back to, am I ever going to work again? Right, even after right. Psych, Psych had a rabid fan base, but it was a cult show, and the network didn't give uh, the industry did not give a shit about it. Right. I it was always oh oh yeah you're on that I hear that's great, my kid loves that or whatever and yeah. so. And we were doing the work of our lives. We were doing really, I did some of the best work of my life on that show. And people in a position to hire me didn't see it. So that's, God forbid, an award happened. Oh, so that that worry when the show ends, because you're like, nobody's- I left the casting pool at 38. I went back into the casting pool, a middle-aged character actor. What the, and literally would just go, what the fuck is gonna be there for me? I don't, and not coming off a huge, it's not like I came off fucking madman. Yeah. You know, and just going, what is going to be there for me? And I'm also a guy who, prior to Psych, had, hadn't tested in eight years. Tested, tell me Network what Network tested, like, like basically you're up for a pilot. That's interesting, you, your age range and your roles change dramatically when you leave that show but you would hope after a show that had that run, it would elevate you, and it you don't feel like it elevated you. It, it shot it, you out. It yeah. It it the only thing it did it uh, it allowed me to get with a not to disparage my old agency, but maybe a more connected agency. Right. Um, more powerful Jews. Yeah, just some more juice. Those are my people. I can, I'm allowed to. More well, you, you you hooked up with a one couple. of my one of my guys is Italian. Um, but one yeah. of them out of Hamburg. I would I would imagine there's some sons of Abraham, <laughs> but uh, I so I I left. Tell this... me when you look for a doctor and it's a Jewish name, you're like, yeah, I'll go see him. <laughs> sure, but... yeah, I'll go see him. You're like, yeah, mm-hmm. what can possibly go wrong? Yeah, this this seems to be like can't be that it. bad. Yeah, exactly. He, he's not the worst. I know he's not the worst. <laughs> no, he's not. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so psych psych was ending, and I was just wrapped with fear, and had a lot of conversations with Maggie Lawson, who was my co-star for eight years and became a very, very dear friend of mine. Who's got a new show on, by the way? Yeah. Um, and she, and she's, uh, I don't know, probably 12 years younger than me and her career was kind of really taking off and she was getting the leads in shows. And, and I was like, fuck, what's gonna, I, am I gonna be the boss? Am I gonna be the dad? Am I gonna be the guy who hands the file to the young, yeah. you know, the young hunk saying, go down to 43rd and pick him up? I was like, what the fuck? And uh, I, I had a new agency and so it was a new kind of beginning and I I remember going in just like like what do you want to do? I'm like I just want to do good work. Yeah. I don't know. But and then I realized I and this was Mag's really really instilled this in me. She's like you need to be specific. You need to know. And this is I really believe this now. It's it was a big shift in me, a paradigm shift of you need to know what you're asking for, and you need to know exactly what you want. And then how are you going to go about and do it? You know, it's That's it's a great lesson for life, dude. I. Dude, here's the story. She came to. She I mean, came, anything you do in life to attack it like that, yeah. to it, break it, it was down. really. It's and it was also about growing a pair of balls. She came to me one day, and she's like, "I've got a book for you to read." 
I'm like, okay, what's that? She goes, it's called The Magic of Believing. I went, fuck you. The Magic of Believing. Do you know who read that book to Phyllis Diller? Well, that I, like I just saw an interview with her really? from 80s, 70s, or 80s, where she talks about the book, The Magic of Believing. Are you Believing. fucking kidding? I didn't know it. Aaron, will you see if the, I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that's what it's called. Phyllis Diller, YouTube, Believing. Something like that. Magic of Believing. Magic of Believing. So I was like, who, who told you to read this? You're shaman. And she's like, Tim, get it. Here's why you like it. It was written in 1938 by a guy. And it's not the secret where you're like, you know, the thing like, I want a million dollars and I'm going to manifest that. No, this was really, but she literally, she's like, I've done all the steps and everything I've won. Like, she's like, I'm six. And she was lead on a show in a brand new relationship with an amazing, but like all the shit. I was like, oh, so she kept saying to me, are you going to get the book? Get the book. I'm like, ah, fuck. So finally I'm walking, like, I'll get the book. I'll get the book. The magic of believing. I'll go get the book. And I walk. And she's like, it's, well, you know, it's that thing where it's also you put it up to the universe. Like when you're thinking about someone and you haven't talked to them in two years and they call you. Yeah. You're like, oh, that's weird. It's that sort of weird, whatever the mumbo jumbo bullshit is. I don't know. I just call it energy. It's called, right? Yeah. I just saw the video, which is why I'm definitely getting the book now because you know what we're talking about putting in the end. I was like, maybe I'll get that book. I can't believe you're bringing that up to me. There we go. And I'll sh- I, there's a visual you can post on the thing too. So I'm walking around Bookstar going, where the fuck? Where's yeah. this book? I, is it in the mumbo jumbo section, the bullshit section, yeah. self help? I don't remember the name of the author. I'm literally going, where is this book? And I turn the corner and I shit you not, it is on the shelf sticking out six inches by itself. And I literally stopped. I froze. I took a picture of it. I sent it to Mags and I went, this is weird. She goes, no, it's not. No, I love that shit. So I get the book and it's, it's, it's essentially all it is is. Just that. It's written in this vernacular of, you know, they say in one day a man will well, yeah. man will walk on the moon. Yeah. Who am I to say it's not true? Anything is possible if you believe. You know, we all know that man in the office who's magnetic and people, people I'm gonna are read drawn it. to that, him. I'm going to read that. You have to. You yeah, have yeah. to. Write down your, you know, what is it? He only has something special. What he has is he believes in who he is. He Here's your steps. Figure out what you want. Write it down on your business card. Tape it to your shaving mirror. Look at it every day. So it's it is a little bit of that positive. I'm good enough. I'm smart enough that people like me. Yeah. But specifically, it was write down the steps of what you want. Did you do it all? Not only did I did it, I realized I had done it before without realizing it. When we were in cl- acting class together, yeah. Alice Carter came to me one day. She's like, "What do you want to do? You like, what do you want to? What do you want to do?" And I went, hmm, "That's a great question. I should answer that. I want to be the guy with the gun." I've been a sweet social worker on Judging Amy for five years. I'm like, yeah. I want to be the bad. I've never played the badass. I want to be the guy with the gun. So what? She could t- so it's not just like, okay, universe, maybe the guy with the gun. Right. It's like, how do you do that? Well, maybe you start doing some push-ups. We started doing scenes that were all about that. So when the opportunity did arise, when I get one of those, I knew how to do it. Judging Amy ended. I had been working on these sort of scenes. I have sort of floppy teeny bopper hair yep. I shaved my head just fuck it because I've always I've, if you know what I look like right hair. now I've always been about the hair I've always you been about the hair. I know so that, but it was also part of like who I am my identity I was like yep. fuck it I'm getting rid of all this and I went it down to like a number one buzzed my hair the next day without any of my agents realizing what I had done I had an audition for oh a CBS procedural pageant Brewster used to be on it basically one of the procedurals right. playing a crazed ex-marine sniper that was written for a massive guy with tattoos and I went in 
and I got the job because that's what I've been preparing for, unknowing that it was this job. And it started a series of guys with guns that ended up just like, I went from that to, to Lasser, who was the biggest badass in the world, or so yeah. he thought, um, who can, you know, I know how to shoot, a, I'm pretty good with that stuff now, Yeah. to Jericho, where I was a fucking warlord. And that, so that, so I'd done it before, even before that, beginning of my career, I looked like this, I had long hair and a beard. Eventually I went, I'm getting, I'm 29. It's getting a little, it's getting a little much to yeah. be the, the, the grunge had, grunge had gone. Yeah, grunge had gone. Grunge had gone. I'm like, I want to be the guy in the suit. I'm tired of being drug dealers in Jesus. I want to be the guy in the suit. Cut my hair, shave my beard. I get judging Amy. I was the guy in the suit. Let me just say, this is a kind of a common theme for this podcast, which is, y you know, um, basically doing the work, but also like allowing the possibility for it to happen and believing. And I, I tell people all the time, like, that you can't complain about your life if you get up and do the same fucking yeah. thing every day. Yeah. Right. If you get up and do the same thing every day, you can't complain. I've always said and I tell all my kids. I know it sounds stupid. Write down your goals so you see them every day. You see that you need to see. That's exactly it. what it is. That's and that's that's especially. But without that great accent. Well, I mean, but you you can put it in there if you like. <laughs> so I, I had a, I was going back and forth a lot from Vancouver to L.A. The show was wrapping up. Very anxious, and also part of it was, to be honest, I'd put on some weight over the show over the course of the show, and I was like, I cannot go back into the casting pool. A doughy middle-aged man <laughs> i mean i can't like that's going to be a fucking sure death to be the dad on a sitcom like i can't do that oh yeah so i made the effort beforehand like i took my last season and i i dropped like 10 pounds i started working out a little bit nothing crazy but like right. i just got a little leaner um and i i would sit on this plane for this two and a half hour flight and i would think about like what do I, if i could write my own ticket and i'm a guy who was it's pretty, like, things have been fearful. Even though I've been always been working, I'm always afraid I'm not going to work again. I've never been the... Well, I think any of us who haven't hit fuck you money... Yes, we, we exactly. Realize, look, we don't work in a job where you have a job as an accountant, and you can work your job until you're 65, yeah. and you can count on that paycheck every week. We work in a profession where it's fucking feast or famine. Yeah. There's no, like, oh, things are kind of good. You're either working... Or you're not fucking working. And when you're working, for me anyway, sucked everything away. Like I'm very much, you know. Are you? Yeah, because again, because that's financial security. Financial security. Yeah. That's what my dad always put in. I'm not nearly as financial secure as I want, but like, the day I was able to start a retirement fund, huge for me. And yeah. Like, and I got kids in private school, but we live in the same house we've been in for ten years. That's a great house. It's a great house. I it's it's fifteen hundred square feet, and I got four people living in it. We've outgrown the house years ago. Oh, yeah, you're frugal, my friend. It's just, also, we can't find it. it oh, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, but, I, but um, do you think that... Oh, my goodness. Um, do you... By the way, did you think... You were like, how are we going to talk? Do, do, you, do you know we've already been talking for over an hour? How we, I, I knew this... I, I don't actually know you that well. It's right. not that like we hang out all the time. Yes. But I, having... Just know what I know about you. I knew this would be a nice. Yeah, it's an easy conversation. Yeah. Now I know Aaron's been doing this to me, so I know people have been calling. So and usually when I wait this long, 
people get mad and then they just never. Let me let me just finish the the thing. I'm going to give you the number. I'm going to give the number out and then you can finish it. That's okay. so people know. No, three, I'm still talking. I want to talk about me more. 323-282-7424. You're going to be able to talk more about you when they call. Oh, okay. 323-282-7424. Finish. Uh, so I I if I could write my own ticket, I sort of grew some balls. If I can if I can dare to be bold. What if I could write my dream ticket? What would it be? And it was I want to keep my beard because I would always go <laughs> I'm not fucking kidding. Every every hiatus, I would grow a beard because I get bored. But it, there's a method to the madness. Okay. I don't want to play the guy I just played. I don't want to look like what I just did. I want to look like something else. Yeah. Because that makes my career interesting to me. So I was like, I want to grow some more. I want to keep my beard. I would like to do a period piece. Uh, I want to be number one or number two on the call sheet. I, never, I want it to be... Wait, so you hit... Those. Dude, wait. I want to be number one or number two on the call sheet because I want it to be my show. I want to be on a network or a premium cable that could possibly win a... I want something to be on a show that could win awards. I want to be on quality. Not that Psych wasn't quality, but it never... I had, know what you mean. Yeah, but it never actually, had that angel yeah. dust or that you know that fairy dust. There was a lot of angel dust. A lot of angel dust. Um, yeah, yeah. That's, and, that's the comics And career. here was the kicker. Uh, I want to sing more because... In, in Psych, I hadn't done a musical since high school. In Psych, we did a musical. And it brought all this love of singing back. And I was like, why is this not in my professional life? I can sing. I have no technique. But I love it. Like, you know, I can sing too. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. We should, we should sing later. You know, I, you know I, do, I, do a little, uh, I do a little singing in my act. I didn't know that. You know, I have about... You know, there's, just, there's this thing for comics. Like, if you play guitar, you're mm-hmm. put into a different... Yeah. Category. So I always shied away from it. Although I love playing it. I never played guitar before, but I love singing. But I saw so I was like, I'd, Oh, your brother plays guitar, isn't he? My cousin plays. Okay. But I was like, not too long ago, and this look, we're I'm not a young man. Not too long ago, I was like, fuck everybody else. What I just want to have fun on stage. Yeah. Part of me having fun on stage is picking up this guitar and writing some stupid songs. I yeah. literally was like, why am I I can't do comedy that will make that because what other comics think is funny. Yeah, and why have you stuck yourself in that box? Right, and played by those rules Sounds that you dirty, didn't write. Hey, uh, you're on the phone. You, you you're calling in. You're on Fairly Normal with Tim and Josh. What's your name? Where are you calling from? They hung up. I waited too long. Call right back. I was talking about me. But that's the thing. Like, like you, you, you. I, I. It takes a while to have the balls, and this is in everyday life, to trust yourself. When I got the audition sides, um, I was working on them with Allison because we always go over sides because she likes to. She always says, gotta, I got to coach you. Right. Because I'm much funnier than you, which she is. And I started doing the scene, but I read it. I'm like, I know exactly what to do with this. Like this like this one, I know, I know how to do this. It's fucking crazy because it's so big and bold. If you saw that yeah. first show, it's it's fucking out there for what's on TV. And I started doing the lines and she looked at me and said, what the fuck are you doing? And I went, no, 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 no. This You, it has you trusted to, yourself. It has to be this. Hey, you're on with uh, Josh and Tim. This is Fairly Normal. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Um, my name is Shannon. I'm calling from Massachusetts. Hi, Shannon. How, how am I doing? <laughs> how do you, are my Hello? story? Are my story? Can Shannon, you hear me? how are you? I'm hey, good. How are you? Good. Can you turn us down in the background? Yeah, sorry. Hello. How's, t- how's t- my hair, Shannon? Tim wants to know how he's doing. How am I doing? And my story, my story's boring. Um, um, you? Yeah, 
I'm sorry, I'm a little nervous. Um, I just wanted to call in and ask him, um, what is his favorite song that he's ever performed on Gallivant? Ooh, that's an excellent question. Um, thanks for asking, Shannon. Did you see it last night? Um, I did see it last night. It was great. Jolly Velocity <laughs> is up there. There's one. Um, it's between. Oh God, there's also good Shannon. The I loved the lullaby at the end of last season because it was such. It was such a departure for the character, and it it sort of symbolized where we were able to go on this crazy batshit crazy show within eight episodes. Yeah. This year, um, along those same lines, I have a sh- song in the very last episode called "Will My Day Ever Come," which is. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous song, and it's it's that perfect Alan Menken Disney musical song, and I sing a duet with my inner child. That's amazing. Where basically I'm telling the kid, it's not going to get any better, boy. Like he's like, will will, will it be this and will it be that? Yeah. Will it be that? And I'm like, no, no. And it's you good. like that? And I'm I'm actually I'm in a, I'm in a precarious position where I think I'm about to die, and I'm realizing. Fuck, this is it. I fucked everything up. You know, it's interesting. And Shannon, let me ask you a quick question, and then I have a great question about singing for you that I'm curious about. Shannon, what is it about the show that you, that you like so much, about Gallivant? Well, I'm, I'm a big fan of The Princess Bride, and when I heard that it was um, somewhat like that, but with the musical implement, that I thought that was great. And I was a fan of Tim's from watching him on Psych. So, I mean, the combination right there made me tune in. And it's just, it's hilarious. The singing is amazing. Um, just everything about it really is, it makes you want to tune in every week. Can I ask, how different is it than you thought it would be? That's a great question. Um, to be honest, it's better than yes. I thought it would be. It sounded kind of, you don't see a lot of musicals on TV. And it, it just, it turned out to be just better than I imagined because, you know, like I said, it, it's just, the plot is, is great. You know, you, you, you see the different aspects of the characters that um, they each have their own storyline. It, yeah. It's just, it's great. And especially this year, especially the character development is, is off. You know what I charge. think TV is up against a lot is there's been so much bad TV. When we were growing up, I'd see a commercial and I'd be like, I'll try that. Well, I'll try that. And I would yeah. try it for four or five episodes. Yeah. Right yeah. now, there's so much skepticism that... I will tell you, before I knew you were on the show, I saw a commercial for that, and I was like, there's no way that's going to be good. Instead of, do you know what I mean? Yeah, instead of, oh, that looks interesting. Yeah, I'll try try that. And now that I've seen so much bad, it's turned the other way for me where where I'm like, it has to blow me away so much in the preview. There were so few choices then, too. Yes. Yeah, now you have cable. But you're up against it now, right? Yeah. It's so, there's people, because Whereas before people trusted television, yeah, the, the trust isn't there as much anymore. So they're almost yeah. you're. It's the opposite. You're fighting against it. Yeah, and you you have to blow them out of the water first time immediately. Out. You've got to hit a home run. You got to hit a grand slam. Whatever that pilot episode pilot. is yeah. has to be, and that's why. And Shannon, thank you. Do you have any other questions for him? Uh, no, that was it. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you, you, Shannon. I appreciate it. Um, that's why. Like t- sometimes when you see pilots, right? Like with shows like Scandal and things like that, there's so much packed into that pilot yeah. because they want it to be so amazing. I'm like, well, where do you go from here? Everybody's already fucking everybody. You know, somebody already died. But like they have to put it in. They're not allowed to. Very often, certainly in network TV, they're not allowed to let it unfold. And it's it's got to be everything up front. You're gonna see all this stuff this season. But it makes for three interesting episodes. Yeah. And then where the fuck do you go? Yeah. There's no way to. If you start at ten, 
There's nowhere to go. The yeah. beautiful thing about The Sopranos to me, and this is the best example, I love it. If they killed somebody every episode, I would have been bored of the show by season one. Yeah. They sprinkled in the violence. People are like, such a violent show. Three or four episodes in a row sometimes nobody died. Some episodes yeah. you're like, nothing happened. Right? But you're still watching. You still, still watch. Because you know what you said? You go back to that human condition. You're watching right. people. Yeah. You're watching. So that's maybe the key also. Like, when you're talking about a, a villain, even if the, it's a deplorable person. Did you watch Black Mass? No. Okay, but you just go back to Sopranos. Tony Soprano was a, was a, was a terrible person. But there was something about his family that we related to, his humanness, his well, arguments it, with his wife, that you understood he was a human being. And that's the thing. That's where you've got to find... I mean, it's what's... Someone once once asked um, James Mason, you know, how do, how do you like playing all these villains? He goes, I've never played a villain in my life. I'm paraphrasing, but he's like, I don't play villains. I've never played a villain. They're all villainous people, but... What an interesting thing. To I never look, look at, at that. Oh, I've never... The bad guy. So you don't, you don't look at it playing a good guy, guy either? I'm No. You're I'm, just playing a guy. I'm just playing a guy. In Jericho, which is... On paper, what an truly the biggest that. villain I've ever played. Yeah. He is the bad guy. And people like joke around on Twitter, oh, you're that something. I'm like, I was a guy taking care of my town. Yeah. That town fucked me over. I, they had it coming. This was survival. I'm not a bad guy. Like, what are you talking about? Interesting. I never fucking thought of it it's that the thing. way. It's history's written by the winners. It's that same. You're not playing thing. a villain. You're playing a dude. Yeah. And this is his situation. Yeah. And. To f then play someone in that situation and find those flaws. The flaws are what we relate to, yes? Yeah, absolutely. So the flaws... Who are wants to watch a Ken doll? Nobody, but that's what I think makes... You know, what I like about this generation of acting and roles is that there's a lot of gray area now, mm -hmm. right? And gray area is life. Is is life. Like, every, yes, everybody... that's what we do. Yes. That's the minutia. That's what... And everybody is good and bad. It just depends. Everybody's good Yes, and bad. right? Everybody's good and bad. A lot of how you react to a character is what you personally and morally feel is right or wrong. Yeah. Yes? I you, would you say- You mean me as an actor or the audience member? The audience member, yeah. right? Because Let's take reality. Let's take uh, last year that running back, Adrian Peterson, hit his kid with a stick. Yeah. Right? And he gets suspended for the year, basically. Now, the morality police are out. It depends how you grew up, huh? Yeah. Because there was a large percentage of people who were like, that's his kid. That's his kid. That's yeah. and they would say I was hit with a switch and all this. And then there's a good big group of people. Right? Same thing when you're watching somebody on TV. How bad you think they are? I'm assuming it speaks also to what you morally. Yeah. And it, right? you know, and what would you do in that situation? Yeah. And which I think a lot of people don't bother to go there. Well, what would you really do? You know, if you, if you know X, Y, and Z, because I've been working in England. Yeah. If X, Y, and Z happened, and suddenly the guns in front of you. What are you going to do? I, I say that all the time. Like, you know, um, if I was an athlete and I was a middle-of-the-road baseball player. Wait, which, by the way, you can't really see. You look amazing. Thanks, he's, he's obviously been working out. Appreciate it very much. Yeah. Um, if I was an athlete and I was a middle-of-the-road baseball player and someone was like, hey, listen, your next contract is going to be three years, $2.7 million, or you can take this. Any chance you're going to get like a five-year, $100 million contract? I'd be like, I'm, I'm probably gonna take that. I think. Man, well, it's it's not exactly legal. Yeah, but am I hurting any? That, my question would be: yeah. Am I hurting anybody else? Then it becomes else? the right. So I, right. So that's what I always say to people: Like, I wouldn't do that for a million dollars. Open a suitcase that has a million dollars. Yeah. 
Look at the a million dollars. And then fucking smell it. Listen, forget a million dollars. Has anyone ever seen a hundred thousand dollars in cash? Yeah. I hadn't. And then someone showed it to me and I was like, I would kill somebody for that. Yeah. I would fucking murder you right now for that money. I had I, never seen that much money. That before. might kill your wife. Too. Yeah, I would kill everybody in this room if I could walk out of here with that fucking suitcase. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, including you, Aaron. But that's the thing. Like, you don't know. It's so easy for us, and we we judge people on here. It's so easy for us to judge. But like you said, that gun isn't on the table in front of you. Yeah. And you so then never to, know. To, to find to get to play that as an actor and and. And not necessarily the choices my character would make or the right. choices I would make, but at least their choices. Does that make sense? So when you walk into a room as an actor, is the most important thing, maybe I need to, and this is for me, not thinking of whether choice is right or wrong, just to make sure you made a choice. Um, yes. Is that? I, yes, and that it's, that's, this is the key to me, is that's it, that it's an authentic choice. That it, authentic to who? To me? To Authentic to me and the character because at walking in i am the character like how much of tim is in your character oh it's tons of tim and and um and you're a character actor like i hate to say character no i am i I self-identify i'm I'm a character actor so gary oldman we call him a character actor i absolutely okay who by the way he's my one of my heroes how and people say he disappears into his roles. But how much of Gary Oldman, how much of Tim is in a character? Even though you're disappearing to, into different roles, how much of you is in each different role? As I've gotten older, there's a lot more. Why? Because I've realized that's the greatest source of material. I think for me, that's almost, that's the easiest entry point for me. Um, so what do you draw on the character you have now? What are you drawing on from Tim? Uh, I draw on his midlife crisis on I draw on his insecurity I draw on um you know the the fears of dying alone uh you know he really there's that's why this season I'm having the best time of my life because what we do in 10 episodes is fucking unbelievable he goes from this last year he was this he was this thing and we broke him down and this year we build him up into this it's in this. It's yeah. spoiler alert. It's in the opening song. It's the one true king. Like we build him into the man that, if you're watching him, you go, "There's something inside him," and he sings. He's got a song next week to a dragon. To I a buy dragon. A, I buy a dragon. Yeah, why I have not? A dragon. Why wouldn't you buy a dragon? Of course, it, it's a lizard, but I think it's a dragon. A baby dragon. It's a baby dragon. Hilarious. Imagine, imagine how our foes will run in fear. I mean, well, once he grows up a bit. <laughs> But it's not just because the dragon's him. It's he knows there's greatness in him. And it's so the season's about him trying, knowing there's something more. Much like me as an actor all these years, knowing there's something like I can put me in, coach. Put me in. That's a very interesting thing. I, 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 and we're going to take a phone call. But then I want to ask you how you do that with the, not the villains, but the guys that are in those situations. Hey, what's going on? You're on with Tim and Josh. It's fairly normal. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Uh, yes, this is Danny uh, from Atlanta. Hey, Danny, what's going on? Did you have a question for Tim? I did. Go ahead. Shoot. Uh, well, I want to know if Tim's going to do any more uh, theater. Uh, I'd be curious to know because that's still uh, something he's interested in. Were when, you a theater guy? God, that is such a really interesting, timely question because I was in New York uh, a few days ago and. The, it's it's no it's an open secret to 
people who know me that I don't want to go to New York and I don't want to do theater. You do. I, I always have. It was, you know, when I was a kid, it was how, the choice how between... How come? How come? Because I, I grew up in the theater. I grew up doing theater. That was, like, literally from the age of 13, hanging out in theaters, interning in theaters. And I chose to go to theater school in L.A. rather than New York because I knew eventually I'd want to make a living. Right. And I figured everyone goes to everyone goes to L.A. eventually anyway. I might as well go to school there. Why spend 10 years in New York and then leave? Yeah. It just it was part of that. And it then took a year to unlearn everything I learned in theater school to get a job in TV. Why? What's the difference between those two acting? Just night and day for me. Because I also, I because I was doing classical theater, I was, and I fancied myself a very pretentious Shakespearean. Are you, have you been able to bring some of that back for Gallivant? It's all Gallivant. My fr- this is why, and I always, I have this conversation with friends like, should I have gone to theater school? Should I have gone to New York? Should I have gone to Groundlings? Should right. I have done something? Should I, should I, should I? I've used really twice. Deadwood was all the skills I learned in theater school to play that in 18... And also walking in that room, auditioning for that role, went, I know how to do this. Right. I know how to. I know how to do 1870s New York dandy. A lot of kids. I'm going up. A lot of the kids from you know with Gersh and William Morris and all these fancy agencies. They don't know how to fucking do this. Right. There was TV boys coming in, and I was a theater actor. So that's why I got that job, um, and why I was successful in it. Uh, my friends from theater school now, when I got this, are like, "Of course, this is what you're doing." Right. It's. This is the role that my. 20 years of skill set between the theater and all these years in comedy singing like it's all it's this is it's all in this one what is it about theater because i here's for me i can tell you it's one of the reasons i was like nah i'm gonna push acting and acting class aside because i i've worked on a bunch of sets not that it was boring but compared to being on stage live in front of a crowd it was boring Compared to that, right. that immediate feedback, and that rush you get from having to perform right now—no right. second take, no nothing—there and and I've done some theater too. The camaraderie for a play is a little different than the camaraderie on a TV show. Very different. Yeah, I think I think so too. Like I love that camaraderie. So you are looking forward to getting back on stage. Yeah, and if so I'm sorry, what's your name from Atlanta? Uh, Danny. Danny, Danny, had you seen him on stage? Is that why you ask? Uh, well, no, but I'm, I'm just aware that he was on stage before. But it's um, you know it's so funny, I, but I, but not professionally. I mean, I, so I had an, I was out in New York doing press yeah. for for Gallivant, and my agents hooked up a couple appointments, and I went into great Broadway casting directors, young guy, and we're talking. He's like, "So what's the deal? I see no theater on your resume." I was like, "I haven't really done any. I grew up in it, like it was my foundation." Right, but. I've been doing TV all these years, and there's not a ton of opportunities. I've done a few. I mean, that's not true. I've done a couple of things in LA. Right. Um, and part of me, and, and I flat out said to him, and I've said, to, I've got a lot of New York theater friends, and I say to them, I feel like a fucking fraud, and I'm an interloper and a dilettante. I, Interesting. For, and how dare I, this TV actor, want to come out and have the fucking audacity to say, I want to do this too. I could, oh, I could do this. It's, but do you consider that in a strange way, just the reverence that you're speaking of it with, more real acting? Is that why you say no, that? No, no. I don't, I don't feel it's more, it's more real acting at all. It's just a different experience. Yes. It's, and it's, I think because it was my foundation, I just love it. Now, that being said, 
I am happiest on a TV set. Are you? I love it. I, I, if I have the choice to go to my trailer and go to my set, I'd rather hang out on set. Yeah, me too. Because I like that, but I like it's a camaraderie thing. too. It's a camaraderie, and it depend. It obviously depends on the set and the situation. Yeah. But I like watching the people, and that's a similar thing. I, the process of of theater, not again, not that I've done a lot. It's such a different thing. Yeah, you know, the, there's no rehearsal on our show. Actually, there's more in this because we're actually having to learn choreography and yeah. rehearse that stuff. But, but it's a the process, the acting process is lightning fast and. That's where you know wit and skill and, and comedy chops come in because you know what's funny and you trust it and you go. Obviously, with with theater, it's it's an entirely different. Yeah. You really get to mine it and figure it out. And now that being said, I don't know that I ask me after I've done two hundred shows of yeah. you know, and you're like, of, I can't fucking wait to get uh, out yeah, of here. Yeah, of of Shrek, you know that. Um, like, oh yeah, which role would you be? You know, I auditioned. Oh, I uh, somebody had me audition. Um, you know, they were doing an Elf musical. Yes. And they had me audition for Buddy. It's, it's in London right now, too. Yeah, they had me audition for Buddy. And so it was the worst. You know, I enjoy singing and dancing and the whole, I love, I listen, I've always said, if you were going to say, what is your, if you could pick a role to play on TV, movie, or stage, what would it be? Well, fucking Danny Zuko. A hundred percent. Yeah. It, to me, it's the best role of all time ever, Danny Zuko. I fuck it. No. Pick one that beats Danny Zuko. And Danny, thank you very much for calling, by the way. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. No problem. Uh, I, to me, Danny Zuko was like, can you can you think of a role better than Danny Zuko? Yeah, for me, absolutely. What's yours? Sky Masterson. Actually, no. Javert in Les Mis. Really? Which is, uh, when I auditioned first, I sang Stars from Les Mis. I had never sung this, that song before. I'll hit you with a little grease lightning right now. It's here. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Get a little summer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but for me, like, I would love, like, that would be my dream to do that. I would love to do that on stage. One night? One time. One time. <laughs> One night. One night. I would love okay. to get, do a grease lightning. Oh, my God. Kill it and oh, be done. Drop the fucking mic. And walk off. I saw, I, I was No, able... by the way, I don't know if you know this, in the end of the movie, they fly off. But go ahead. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Just so you know, that's that's how that works. So I, I was I was in New York for for three nights. I saw two shows, and uh, like that's my thing. I get there and I just I'll, I'll see. I will see two shows a day if I can. I just what'd you say? Uh, I saw Gentleman's Guide to to Love and Murder. How was that? That was fantastic. I loved it. Huh. I I loved it. One yeah. of Tony two years. Yeah, ago. yeah, yeah. Performances, absolutely, just one on top. They're on fire. They're best. These people are the best at what they do. And then the next night, I got to see Hamilton, which if you follow me on Twitter yeah. or Instagram, you know this because I've been tweeting nonstop. Yes. I immediately started tweeting about it. I was tweeting at intermission. I, I seriously was. It was, to me, and I'm saying it's life-changing, it was the greatest thing I'd ever seen. I was weeping through a quarter, a third of this show. Who'd like, you go with? Uh, I took my co-star, uh, Karen David. Um, and we just... Uh, at one point, there's there's a song. Oh, uh, hang on, let me think of it. Satisfied. If you know it, you know it. And this girl started singing, and tears streamed down my face, like ugly sobbing tears. Oh, I love those. And it just and Karen even looked at me. She's like, "What's going on with them?" It just it 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 just. I've been listening to this musical nonstop since. Like I had them. I listened to it on the flight back, and I had to cover my face with a fucking napkin because I was weeping. 
Hilarious. I was telling, I was introduced, I was playing it for my wife this morning because she's like, well, okay, what the fuck is this musical? I've been playing it for the kids. And I, was, and I said, okay, there's a song. She comes up and she gives, she gives the, she gives Hamlet over to her, her younger sister. Because, and I'm fucking tearing up telling her story. It's just, it, you know, there's certain things that sing to you. And there's so many musicians Two. that do that. I went to a movie. I went, this is Billy Elliot. Oh, okay. Huge father-son thing. Tough to get through that. I went to see Billy Elliot on a first date. <laughs> so I started to cry. By the way, this date was with a woman named um, E.G. Daly. Do you know E.G.? I don't. E.G. was the voice for Tommy on Rugrats. She was one of the Powerpuff Girls, right? Dottie in uh, Pee-wee. Yes, she was Dottie in, in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Oh, yeah. Oh, she's like... Yes, I she was in Valley Girl. Yeah, she's great. I'm on a date, and EG's a great, great woman. So we are first date, and we're sitting there, and um, I'm crying. And um, she just looks at me, and she goes, are you crying? <laughs> Maybe not on a first date, not the best time. I go, yeah, just a little bit. She goes like, oh, it's more than a little bit. <laughs> and I go, oh. And by the way, I had just got my first tattoo that night, too. So we had the whole night been like, hey, my tattoo, I'm so tough. <laughs> and she was like, do you need me to go and get you a napkin? And I go, no, I'm good. And she goes, this is the best part. Do you need to step out and get yourself together? And <laughs> <laughs> she said, why do we have sex? <laughs> that, was, that was basically four questions in a row showing me how much of a pussy she thought I was. Do you need to go somewhere else so you're not sitting next to me? Because I'm making me... Making me look bad. <laughs> Which many ladies would be like, oh my God, he's crying. I'm gonna On a first date? I'm going to take him in the coat check room right now. Yes, sir. I, 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 I don't know. I think a first date's a tough time to be weeping like a fucking. And because it, Billy Elliot it hits yeah. such a strong father son note. I mean, there was shit. Co- I mean, it was like <gasps> blubbering. Yeah. Yeah. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, isn't this the. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> That happened to me also uh, when I saw Forrest Gump in the theaters. I was on a date with a girl. Now she she was a stripper, <laughs> and um, she we were watching Forrest Gump, and uh, I started to cry. And as I'm Wait, crying, what, at what point? Do you remember? Um, I think it was when, when Bubba his, dies. I think it was what, what's that? When Bubba dies? No, I think it's it's either when Bubba dies or when his mom died. Sure. And um. I'm crying. Sure. And I hear in my ear, this movie's so fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh no. You still had sex with her though, didn't you? Yes, I absolutely did. I'm no quitter, Tim. What you need to know about me is I am no quitter. I will 100%. I had to dig myself out of the hole. She was like, this movie's so fucking stupid. And I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. She goes, are you crying? I go, no. I said I was, because we were eating popcorn. I was like, I got some salt. <laughs> I got some, I was so, I was falling asleep and I rubbed my eye and I got some salt. I was falling asleep because it's so stupid. It's such a stupid movie. By the way, did you know that in, in recent years, there's been a wave of hate towards Ferris, Forrest Gump? Did you, were you aware of that? No. Did you wear that, Aaron? Where, like people are like, what a fucking terrible movie. That was a groundbreaking movie. Well, I go back. Wasn't to that my... a gra- like? Wasn't the yes. first one you saw where he put himself in videos? That was like the first time I saw that too, where he, they inserted themselves into old. Oh, like Woody Allen, like Zelig, and yeah, yeah. Um, 
people are stupid, Josh. I mean, you know this. I have a very, and I know we gotta get, we gotta wrap up. And I have a very honest question for you. Yes. I'm curious about this. Would you, if you were offered a role in a Woody Allen movie, would you take it? Well, I, I, my initial response was, well, of course I would. And then I went, oh, right, there is that. that Interesting thing, right? Thing. Because uh, I will tell you, for me, I love his work. But yeah. I can't get past, I can't give him a free pass. I can't give him the free pass. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know, I haven't, I haven't delved that much into that one i really it's it's so i don't know maybe i should do you know what it is no there isn't because he hasn't offered you a role but for me it's like it's interesting what people will decide to pick and choose and for me i I just can't give the guy a fuck if we're going to string up cosby the way we have i can't give this guy a free pass and he was on you know i have i get written by which is Mm -hmm. you know for and he's on the cover and i'm like our entire industry is just giving this dude a pass. Yeah. Let's 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 forget if he molested his kid or not. I have a stepdaughter who I consider to be my daughter. Right. If I I can't even imagine deciding I was going to divorce Beth and marry my daughter. D- I- yeah, I, I do, you, do you know what I mean? When- and then for people to go, well, I'm sure he didn't have sex with her when she was, you know, underage. Right. So he just decided that at 18, all of a sudden, oh, I'm attracted to this young Asian woman. <laughs> I all of a sudden, I've know, seen you in a, I, I've seen you in a, I can't do Woody. Light. That's not terrible. Thanks. Okay. I have one voice. Want to hear it? Yes. Uh, it's Droopy Dog. <laughs> that really makes me mad. That's all I got. That's, <laughs> That's all I got. really good. I can't do it. My English accent sounds like a dude who maybe was born in England, spent some time in New York, but probably traveled around Australia. That's actually fascinating. I want to hear that. <laughs> okay. Um, give me a sentence to say. Um, would you like to go like to, to go? the pub at would, 4 o'clock? Would you like to go to the pub at 4 o'clock? That's pretty English. Is it? Yeah. Come on. Because you went high at the end. Well, are you supposed to? How come all my British guys I don't know. talk Do like on. this? I think they all talk like this now. I think we'll talk out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's actually no. Well, yeah, it's, it's yeah, that's not, what I think they all sound I mean, like. it's a question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, you go up a little bit. Now, why do you think? And I've asked this before. There's such an influx of uh, Australian and British actors. Don't fucking talk to me about this. You just infuriates me. Do they do our accent better Dude, than we do theirs? No. They or is don't. the is the, t- is the I've yeah, always so, said. You know what the trick is? Just whisper it. They whisper don't it. look. There are oh, a you, By the way, for those of you who aren't watching, he just wiped his brow like, oh, fuck, shit is about to this go is down. So the fact that, because uh, also, I, there's, such a, there's such a chip on the fucking shoulders of this industry where it's like, oh, no, the real actors are Australian and yeah. British. And it's infuriating. And, you know, there's no, there's no real American men, so we have, to fu- we have to get these Aussie guys from the outback. It's like, fuck you. I had a friend who was the creator of a television show who said to this is a guy my age from Seattle who grew up and he actually had the balls to say to me, yeah, we just can't find a real man. We got to hire this Australian dude. Fuck we can't f- you. And I was like, fuck yourself, man. I didn't say those words to him. Um, but yeah, the, you, the, you said something more like, okay, well, better luck next time. I was like, what? <laughs> I mean, granted, I'm not the... Um, so the fact that I'm the only American yeah, in this thing, it is... A tremendous feather in my cap, and I, I, I won one 
for all of us. Is American your accent actors. better than theirs? I'm not going to say that. Some are. Everybody's different. I, I've heard. No, I mean, dreadful. Is your accent better than the English accents that the actual English people are doing? No, no, it's no, because they're, they're actually. I'm just kidding. Um, but uh, it's it's one of those things. I'm pals with uh, with. I don't know if you know Richard Spate from the Supernatural World Kids, but we went to college together. He was on Banner Brothers. He's very dear friends with Damian Lewis. Yeah. And Richard and I happened to meet up in London for for a pint, and uh, Damian came down to meet him, who's one of the sweetest, loveliest gentlemen I've yeah. ever come across. But Damian Lewis is the fucking poster child for oh, British actors coming. Oh, not just that. He's he's. I think he's premiering a show tonight on Showtime. It's called Billionaire. Billions. It, Billionaire. The one with Paul Giamatti. I mean, you look for a while. You looked at American television, and the stars were all Brits, and to the point where you're like, "What do you mean?" Or Brits or Aussies, like La Paglia and and Simon. Whatever. Anyway, it was just it's infuriating, right? Only because not I'm not angry at them. I'm angry at the industry that goes, "Oh no, we need to go this way." Where me trying to get a job over there, fucking forget about it. I had m- meetings with casting people when I was over there because I'd love to. Yeah, like I want to. I would love to do theater out there, and like. It just, it's like, it's not going to happen. Did you see The Revenant? The which? Revenant? No. You didn't see Tom Hardy in The Revenant? No, I haven't seen that. With that, that movie? Oh, Remnant. With, oh, no, I haven't. Revenant. No. With, with, oh, uh, no, I've got it. I haven't had time. Oh, my. Okay. Is it good or bad? It's, the, it's a phenomenal No, is movie. the accent good or bad? Tom Hardy, it took me 20 minutes to go, oh, shit, that's Tom Hardy. Yeah, he's... I think he's tremendous. And have you seen Legend? Oh my God! Yeah. So there's this. So granted, if it's somebody like we're hiring Tom Hardy because he's a fucking great actor and can yeah. do anything, great. Hire me because I'm a great actor. No, whether I'm a, you know, pardon me, I don't mean to say that, but you know because I you know are though because I know what I'm, well, thank you very much. I, but because I know what I'm doing, not whether I'm British or American, but I can. We've there's we're. My God! Yeah, I just I watched this show, you know, Gentleman's Guide. They're all Americans doing these flawlessly wonderful British accents. So how dare you people say there's nothing? Um, and anyway, so Damien comes down, and my my dear friend Richard and I will love him forever for this. Goes, hey Damien, you're not the only one doing accents anymore. Timmy O's an American playing an English king, motherfucker. <laughs> he may not have. I may have added the motherfucker. It, by the way, in England. So. Yeah, not yet. That doesn't happen very often. It's one and the, the king. It's because and it's an American production, and they just happened to hire everyone else. They all, everyone was hired here. Uh, they just all happened to be Brits. And all right. I want you because I know we're running late. Have, we, I have want, I talked about myself enough? I love it though. Oh, God knows I, I do. I want you to tell everybody, as far as following your goals or your dreams. Following, like you say, you're going to tell your kids. What's the importance of following your dreams? What's the importance of doing it, or how do you do it? Like what? I would say what, how, what is the importance? The importance is of following of of following your dreams and not settling. What's because the this this life is too short. Yes. So why not do it? The day I attested for the show, which is like again, this is the big terrifying. You go in, you've signed your contract, you've written your life away. You you see what potentially your life could be if you get right. it. It's a, it's a, it's the most stressful situation that I know. Of. Other, than, I would imagine other than being in combat. Right. Um, it's just below being in combat of what I would imagine that to be. Right. And I'm I'm pacing around this you know this waiting room and it's they had me wait like, waited forty minutes and I've gone it over my head now I'm just like I'm trying to maintain my mojo and I looked out the window 
and across the street was Forest Lawn Cemetery, which is this huge rolling hill, oh, yeah. beautiful cemetery. And something hit me, and I went, fuck it. We all end up in the ground anyway. Fuck it. And it was yeah. the last time I had a trace of fear on this show. And By this way, is granted, a guy who can't dance and is not a trained singer. By the way, it's the way to attack life. Everything. Is that this is it. I tell people all the time, you get one ride. How do you want to ride the ride? Do you want to ride it nervous? Do you want to ride it being an asshole to people? Do you want to ride it constantly worrying? Or do you want to live your life? Yeah. Do you want to make sure, or do you want to make sure you do everything, or at least one thing every day that makes you happy? And it took me until really my mid forties to kind of have that really kick in. Because, dude, it, it takes a certain amount of balls to not only trust yourself. But to understand, you can't live your life for other people. Yeah, Period. That's really, you can't live it for your parents. You can't live it no, for your spouse. No, you can only hope that what's been instilled in you is enough and the way you live your life is a good way. But you have to live your life for you. You and have the, to. And to, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the big goal, right? To live an authentic life, whatever that means. I'm still trying to figure it well, out. Well, because, because the truth of the matter is your authenticity and what you think is authentic changes every fucking week. Absolutely. Right? So you could be living an authentic life at 25 and be a completely different at 30 person at 30 or 26. And it's also allowing those changes to happen. Because yes. we, all know, we all have friends who they haven't changed. Your siblings or whatever, who are just like, you're still that same. The world's changed around you. And you have changed, but you're not allowing yourself. And 100%. that tends to be a road to misery. What do you want to plug? Uh, I'd like to plug a television show called Gallivant. Uh, Sundays at eight talked about on it. ABC. Got a car film Carter in June coming up. Look yeah. for it. I don't know where it's going to be. If you want to see me, well, just come hear me do my my Kevin it. Spacey, just blatant, flat out Kevin Spacey's rip off. I hope Kevin Spacey goes and sees the movie and goes, God, what that motherfucker? That's me. He's just. What if he was like, Do I really sound like that? <laughs> do I absolutely sound like that? Actually, that that is a bit of Kevin. Kevin's cadence is actually yeah. And you know what else? What I when I watch him, he only moves his lower jaw. Nothing else in his face moves. Right, and that's, he stays very still. Everything, just the lower jaw goes. Uh, I may I may have stolen that too. Oh yeah, why not, dude? He's it's an amazing thing to steal. Steal from the best. <clears throat> um, I will be in Buffalo this weekend. I'll be in Portland, Oregon the weekend after that. And I'll be in Boston the last weekend in January. They've already added another show in Boston. Get your Huzzah! Yeah, get your tickets now. That one's going fizzy fast. Oh! This is a new t-shirt. Yeah. I'm fairly normal. Can I those, see that? Those will be available. Those will be available on the website. Somebody's been doing some incline butterfly. Yeah! yeah. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Thanks for noticing. Um, guys, I'm sorry we didn't get to more of your phone calls. I know Aaron jingles at me, and I... Uh, ignore him because I'm enjoying talking to Absolutely. my guest. You can tweet me on the Twitter at Amundsen. At uh, spell it for him. O m u n t s o n. There you go. I'm at Josh Wolf Comedy. Guys, thank you for listening slash watching. Did they? Do you think did, how many click clicked off? Can we tell? Or we just assume they kept listening? Uh, a little of both. Okay. All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Was